Today on the show, for one final time, we are going to revisit the rent versus buy discussion. Welcome to the Simple Money Solutions Podcast, where we focus on your money from a Canadian perspective. This podcast is produced weekly and released every Monday. Channels for every episode can be found at livelifesimple.ca. Now let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, I'm your host Courtney, and joining me today is my co-host Trevor. As mentioned in the introduction, today we are going to revisit the rent versus buy discussion by examining some news articles that support this. So the first article we want to talk about today was an interesting article I found in the Global Mail, uh, reported by Rob Carrick, and it's it's really a story of some homeowners that um, sort of fell into the prospect of renting, and once they tried it, they liked it. So I just think it's an interesting story of, of a real-life case, and it, it might provide some insight to th- that maybe you hadn't considered or maybe this is something you have considered and it's comforting to find somebody else's uh, sort of wrestling with similar issues. So go ahead, Courtney. So in Rob Carrick's words, until they sold and moved to a rental apartment, Mark DeWolf and his wife were typical homeowners. Our house had its expenses as they all do, but generally we were quite happy with it, the 69-year-old retired teacher said in an interview in the couple's spacious two-bedroom apartment in Halifax's Clayton Park West neighborhood. Happy homeowners gone over to the dark side. It's a story you have to hear if you're a baby boomer wondering where to go after selling the family home and looking for a measure of financial freedom. Mr. DeWolf said the house he and his wife lived in was purchased in 2003 after returning home from a six-year teaching gig in Singapore. The decision to move out of the house was made in part because his youngest son had left, partly the concern that house values could decline if a wave baby boomers start selling, and partly to get away from the financial uncertainties of home ownership. Looking ahead, the couple figured their house would need a new roof and repairs for a cracked driveway and a crumbling wall in the backyard garden. Apartment living is offered a level of protection against these costs that particularly appeals to his wife, Mr. Wolf said. She finds the simplicity of living in the apartment so much more gratifying than the constant worry of maintaining a house, a good part of which we weren't living in. There have also been financial rewards. Even after paying off a small mortgage, the couple is able to put money in tax-free savings accounts, bump up their registered retirement savings plans, and put some cash in savings accounts. We wanted to free up money that we had in our house to invest, Mr. DeWolf said. Neither of us had been able to do much with TFSAs before. The couple sold their house in April and now live in a four-story building in a complex of similar apartments. Rent of their 1,600-square-foot unit is $1,385 a month after a 2% increase not too long ago, including a storage locker in the basement and a second parking spot. Mr. DeWolf figures he's saving at least $500 per month But that's compared with the cost of mortgage payments after the household expenses. Monthly costs are a few hundred dollars more expensive in the apartment if you remove the mortgage from the picture, with the offsetting benefit that he'll never face a crushing repair bill. Naturally, the couple considered a condo before their apartment. They were dissuaded by stories of rising condo fees and special assessments to cover maintenance projects. Mr. DeWolf ultimately found the apartment by looking on listings on Kijiji, the online marketplace. The couple went to look at one unit that was to be sublet, missed out on it, and then found another apartment in the same building. 
In total, they saw seven or eight rentals before deciding on one. Pluses for the building they chose included its proximity to a library and a recreational facility, as well as to shopping, the highway, and a park. There are also some premium features of apartment dwellers, including a walk-in closet in the master bedroom, ceramic tile in the hallway, a dishwasher, and an ensuite washer and dryer. Mr. DeWalt said rental properties does demand compromises, notably in how much control they have over their living space. When they built this place, they could have placed a little more attention on what we might call detail. For example, the laminate on the kitchen cupboard does tend to peel off if it gets too humid and warm. You'd like to see something a little bit nicer, says Mr. DeWalt. Also, the water pressure in the kitchen and shower is weak. Mr. DeWolf said it's better even in his cottage. Finally, there is getting used to having neighbors directly above, beside, and below one's home, and the space limitations that boomers face when they downsize to a condo or apartment. This was especially painful for Mr. DeWolf, who had a large collection of books, old rock and roll albums, letters, and more. My record albums were seriously depleted when we moved, he said. The challenge of renting is finding something you like at a price that makes sense. Mr. DeWolf's story shows it can be done and that there are rewards for people who want to be freed from the financial demands of home ownership. So Trevor, that concludes this article. I want to go back now and examine each paragraph and some points that were really interesting in each one. Well, I wanted to say before you go on, I picked this article because it literally pulled the words right out of my mouth. These are... uh, these are all the issues I personally wrestle with when, when contemplating rent versus buy. And these are concerns I have about home ownership and the burden of home ownership. So this, this article literally peaked in, in my soul and, and pulled words right out of my mouth. So go, go ahead. So back up to the third paragraph, I want to touch on the concern that house values could decline if a wave of baby boomers starts selling. Well, this is really, there, there seems to be a trend of baby boomers selling off their large four-bedroom, 2,500-square-foot houses and moving into condos. So if everyone's, if, if there's a, a huge flux of the population selling off this type of home, uh, it's going to be an oversupply on the market. It's going to drive prices down. So they wanted to get out before the rush. So that kind of makes sense with me. Okay. And what about the other point, just below that point? Um, his son, their son, Mr. DeWolf's son, wanted to get away from the financial uncertainties of home ownership. Are there really that many financial uncertainties? Well, fluctuating price is definitely an uncertainty. And also, the, the, as we talked about last week, the, the lumpy costs of maintenance, meaning uh, roof repairs, uh, window replacement, these costs are, sort of don't flow with your income stream, so they need to be saved up for. They're large expenses all, all of a sudden. So that kind of uncertainty, uncertainty of, of your expenses, uncertainty of, of fluctuating house prices, it, it's just uh, worry that, that homeowners are burdened with. Definitely. Uh, moving on to the fourth paragraph, and I think this is a point that you might be able to relate to. Uh, the simplicity of living in the apartments is so much more gratifying than the constant worry of maintaining the house. I feel like this is a philosophy that you do live by. Uh, it is. You know, you watch your house deteriorate slowly. Things start to fall apart. And you've got to stay on top of it. And if you, if you let things go too far, it ends up costing you more in the long run. Uh, in his article, he talks about a, a, cum- a crumbling, cracking driveway. You know, I'm looking at that myself. 
Uh, I just recently replaced my roof. He talked about that in his article as well. Uh, th these are just things that weigh on your mind constantly, uh, whereas renting, it, it's somebody else's problem. And I think that's a really nice part about renting is that it is not your problem. Uh, moving down to the fifth paragraph, um, Mr. DeWolf said, quote, we wanted to free up money that we had in our house to invest, end quote. Well, this makes sense because uh, most of most Canadians, their their biggest wealth accumulation is tied up in their house uh, through forced savings, paying off their mortgage. And that's great to include that in your personal wealth, but if you can't access it to spend and live off of, it, it's just a house until you li until you turn it into liquid cash. It, it's nothing more than a house. It's 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 an investment you can't tap into. Whereas if you were to sell your house and rent and put that uh, money proceeds from selling your house into an investment, you could get into an investment that pays dividends and is starting to create some cash flow. Definitely. Moving down to the very next paragraph, there this point that I found really interesting, he says that he saves $500 per month compared to the cost of mortgage payments, but that the monthly costs of living in the apartment are more expensive if you remove the mortgage from the picture. I don't know if I agree with that wholeheartedly. You have to factor in uh, taxes, uh, maintenance, um, for sure the mortgage, but when you roll in all the costs, uh, $500, who knows what his mortgage payment is, but uh, I think I could make a case that uh, renting in a lot of respects can be cheaper than, well, in our, in our show last week, we did make a case where uh, renting, if you look at it the right way, it's, it's, it's break even or maybe cheaper. Would you agree that depending on where you are renting or the the high end of your apartment, could that make a difference? Yeah, if you're in a, a high end rental unit, it, renting is going to be expensive. But what he described, so I know uh, real estate in Halifax is is one of the lowest uh, real estate costs in the country, and his rent is thirteen hundred and eighty five dollars, which is maybe uh, a mid to low rent in say the city of Toronto. So I think he's renting high-end compared to real estate in a particular area of the country he lives in. So his renting may may be more expensive. And he also points out how he utilizes a storage locker. What's your? I know you are a minimalist and you take that approach. So how do you view incorporating a storage locker into your downsizing plan? Well, a storage locker, you know, the, the things you may store in your garage or your basement uh, in a house you're going to have to squeeze into your storage locker. So you're going to have to pare down your belongings considerably. I mean, obviously you're going to get rid of things like extension ladders and lawnmowers and snowblowers, which you won't need, but there's still a lot of stuff I know in my house, in my basement, in my garage, that just would not fit in a storage locker. So you you have to ad adapt a minimalist philosophy to some degree. And even as Mr. DeWolf said in the article that he did have to pare down his belongings, like his albums, which he had too many of to fit in his new apartment. Uh, moving down to the next paragraph, uh, I like that he really touched on considerations between a condo versus an apartment and how he did consider a condo before renting an apartment. Yeah, you know, I've heard, I've read and heard personal horror stories of uh assessments on condos this is where uh, a repair is needed to the condo building that the maintenance fees and the 
uh, condo reserve are not able to cover. And I've read stories where underground parking garages have had structural deterioration and you know, $40,000 assessments on each condo unit owner uh, that they they need to come up with the money. The, those those kind of lumpy expenses are above and beyond what the average homeowner would ever see. So I, I'm glad they looked at that because that's something I'm also entertaining is uh, downsizing into owning a condo uh, versus renting. So it's it's good to see that somebody else has made that consideration and, and come to the conclusion of renting. Would you say hidden condo fees and maybe the extent of those hidden condo condo fees are something that is not well known to someone who's entering uh, the downsizing market and really should research more into? So I'm a huge fan of Reddit. It's a user form, R-E-D-D-I-T. And then there's a subreddit, which is a a specific form uh, on condos. And it it is a pretty widely known, uh, it's not a hidden cost. People are very aware of them. Uh, If you look at real estate um, on MSL.com, MLS.ca, the condo fees are always listed there, what they are and and what they include. So I don't think it's a dark, hidden area. It's just a a cost you have to justify. But Trevor, with people still buying condos at a very absorbent rate, why don't they see the benefits of renting an apartment and compared to buying a condo? Well, back to our last episode, it's a culture that's been in it's been ingrained in our culture for so many years that you know you're 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 throwing your money away if you're renting, but I, I hope we sold a lot of people or appointed people to go read the book The Wealthy Renter uh, that we talked about in our last show. Um, it, it it's just a culture mindset. I I I think I I personally would rent before I owned a condo. Do you think it's a stigma attached to renting? Well, I went back to our last show. We, right now, with interest rates as low as they are, before these change the mortgage rules almost anybody could could afford to buy so renting had a very the the cross-section of the population who could not afford to buy have a a stigma attached to them for sure and i i think it still follows a traditional condos are what you do when you downsize like people generally go towards that route because it's the more traditional route i feel like well i i think it's back to your thing it's a stigma people just don't want to you know a lot of people think they're they, they rent because they can't afford to buy. That's the stigma. I rent because I can't afford to buy. People who would who would consciously choose renting. If we could break that mindset, I, I think you could make a strong case for renting for a lot of people. It would make sense. And it is a fact. If you, again, go to Kijiji or go to any online market for apartments, you will find tons of high-end, expensive apartments. Oh, yeah. The, well, the, you see a lot of people buy condos as an investment to rent out. So... There's a lot of uh, high-end condo buildings with rent with the condos for rent, so there's no shortage of of um, luxury rental units. And would you say that buying a condo is equivalent to just buying a small house? It, I, it brings forth the same um, characteristics such as inability to move. Yeah, you've got those transaction costs. You're at the mercy of the real estate market. Either it's hot or it's cold. Uh, you're you're not able to. You, you you might have your place listed for three months and then the closing is three months more. So you're six months before you can actually get out of your, your property. So it, it, it takes a long time to, to get out in comparison to renting. 
Before moving on, I do also want to touch on Kijiji and how great that platform is for finding apartments and places to live. Um, Mr. DeWolf said his and his him and his wife saw seven or eight rentals before deciding on one. And as a student living in a city, I that is the place where I found all the apartments I have lived in. Well, I want I want to just describe it. I've looked at it as well. So you, some of the features you get is uh, you can find the. It, it, there's an option to click on a, a button for a map to show where the rental unit is in a particular city. And then there's just a, a huge assortment of photos of in the apartment, uh, around the building. You can also do Google Street View to, to see what the street looks like that it's on. You can do a lot of research bef before leaving the comfort of your home to go look at rental units. Like you can, you can shortlist uh, five or ten units and maybe look at them in, over the course of a weekend. The efficiency at which you could find rental units uh, using Kijiji is just phenomenal. And Trevor, you mentioned in our last episode that you have rented in the past, but but now as as uh, someone who has been in the time when Kijiji wasn't an op wasn't an option, this must be so revolutionary, such an amazing thing nowadays for you when you start looking for well, when, places to live. Well, when I was looking to, to find places to rent, it was really hard to get, and you had to make an appointment to go see the rental unit. A lot of times there was people already in it, uh, and and you had to wait to see it at their convenience. And uh, a lot of times you had to see it during the day, during work hours. And the the number of times, the, the number of units you could see over the course of a month is what you could see over the course of a weekend or, or a short list a weekend using Kijiji. And... I um there through post my post secondary institution that I'm at there is a service that they offer that helps students find residences after they leave the main uh, campus residence, and Kijiji served as a better platform for me than using even um, the university provided tools. So I really am a strong advocate of Kijiji and how effectively it works. So now I just want to say one thing about Kijiji. Uh, there's been some stories in the news where uh, there's been some horrible. Uh, crimes committed uh, relate, you know, attached to Kijiji ads. So I, I would warn everyone to use Kijiji with uh, uh, caution. Oh, for sure, definitely. Um, so moving down through the article, I like that they included this important point because it's, I mean, you can easily forget about it, but it's important to underscore is proximity to. And they listed off proximity to a library, recreational facilities, shopping, a highway, and a park. And those are so important to consider when picking a place to live. Well, and, and to buy a property with those kind of amenities, uh, those real estate properties generally cost, you, you pay a premium for those, where you, you may not be able to afford to live in that particular location, but you could afford to rent there. Exactly. Oh, exactly. And, and I mean... If you want to maybe utilize public transit more or utilize walking, these these amenities are so important to having a very satisfied life. And you know the reason I'm we're doing a, two episodes of this uh, rent versus buy is I personally am contemplating uh, selling my real estate, uh, moving to a new city, and renting at least in the short term. So I, I'm trying to convince myself that this it, it's not all throwing money away. So I, I'm doing research because I'm personally contemplating this. And I know you, as a student, you're, you're a current renter. You're in what I would consider low-cost student um, rental housing. 
and you're nearing the end of your education and, and you're looking forward to renting something a little more upscale. Is that-, that? Yeah, and that's exactly what I want to, it actually brings us to the very next point within this article and a point that I wanted to bring up is that as a renter, I'm moving right from uh, my parents' home to a renter, I, I see myself renting for a long time in the future and there's no real shove, in my opinion, to want to buy a home. And like this article said, the place that they they were they resided in had premium features such as a walk-in closet, a master bedroom, ceramic tiles, a dishwasher, and ensuite washer and dryer. So I really want to highlight that, and I think this is going to break this stigma that a, a, a part, renting does not mean lack of luxury. No, I think I think that's a pretty accurate statement. I you're going to pay for the luxuries without question, but they, they, it is an option. And it, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to be there. Just like the low income renting, there's levels of renting and there's a spectrum of what you can rent. So I think, I think you just need to get out there and see that renting is not the basement apartment with no windows. True. Yeah, that, that's very true. So moving on through the article, it says that rental living does come with compromises in how much control they have over their living space. So from going from having, you can do anything to your home, paint it any color, hang anything up. Do you think this is, and I guess as an adult, you have so much autonomy and, and flexibility and control over your life and what you do. Is going from having all this control to not having much, is that too big of a contrast for more, most people? Well, it, it, it may be. I know my parents, uh, they spent a great deal of time renovating their home and making it just the way they wanted upgrading all sorts of things and they enjoyed the fruits of those lab- of their labor they they enjoyed uh fancy and and not saying you can't have fancy but they you know they wanted it just just so and i i think it, for those people it would be a very difficult transition me on the other hand i've been more on the side of home maintenance as opposed to home improvements and it's going to be an easier transition for me uh, y- you definitely have to adopt the um, mindset that you have to accept, like you, you can't put in a new kitchen. I guess you could in a rental unit, but it wouldn't make sense. Uh, you, maybe you, if you're going to be there for a while, you would change the flooring if, if the landlord doesn't sign up for it. Uh, you can make some small, uh, renovations to a rental unit with the landlord's approval at your expense. Uh, I've read some, uh, things online where, uh, landlords, you know, the, a tenant makes uh, an improvement to a rental unit with the with the understanding that if they if they move out in less than five years, the landlord would pay them for fifty percent of the cost of that renovation. So there, there's there's circumstances where you can make it your own. You know, you can customize rental properties. And I think that also closely relates to the idea of. In this article, it says neighbors directly above, below, and aside, beside one's home. So having this noise and these and these people around you, would you consider this roughing it out or just a byproduct of living in an apartment? Well, you know, where I live, I have uh, neighbors on three sides of me. And at one time or another, there's been barking dogs in all three of those backyards. So I don't know that I've ex- by owning a home, I escape the... Um, intrusion of neighbors it, it's going to happen it, it it if anything a commercial apartment building is designed with uh, cement walls and cement floors to 
maybe absorb more of those noises than than uh, my neighbors barking dogs. And to that point, I think it's important to know who your neighbors are and know what the neighborhood is and who resides in the apartments within that building. Because well, if you're re- well, the apartment building I live in, Trevor, I it, we're it's a student it's a student apartment building, so you have the expectation that everyone maybe awake till two a.m. studying or have or partying with friends. Like it's something that you expect when you move into there. No, exactly. If you're retired and you want to cut your rental costs by renting in an, in a student apartment building you got you got to know what you're getting into so it, it you've you've got to do your homework and make sure you're in the right part of town or the right type of building oh definitely and i think that that right there is the key to making renting a positive experience or a negative experience it is what you make and i think you can't cheap out or or think that you can really save by getting into maybe a lower income area or with people that are not of maybe your professional status if you're still a working uh, working individual. No, I, I agree 100% on that. I do want to touch on, I know we, we touched about on this a little bit earlier, but space limitations. And I think this, I think this can personally be seen as a good thing or as a bad thing. And as you uh, with minimalist philosophies would obviously view this as a good thing. But uh, like this, I think, could be something that turns people away from downsizing into a rental unit with not with no basement. I think that's what a condo may offer, and some people are afraid of this limitation. Well, you know, it, you're right. I, I do uh, sort of read up on minimalist philosophies. And one of the things they say, and this is true, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody to argue with this statement. Uh, we use 20% of our, we use 20% of our things 80% of the time. So of our of our of our all of our possessions, we use twenty percent of our possessions eighty percent of the time. So we have a lot of things that we barely use stored in our homes. And I think if people stood back and looked at what they actually need and use, you'd be surprised what you could pare down. And I think the opportunity, I mean, what better opportunity to liberate yourself from things you don't really need than downsizing to a place that really pushes you to eliminate those things? Yeah, sometimes you need a a change in environment to change your mindset. Oh, for sure. I couldn't agree more. So, Trevor, that brings us to the end of our first article. So we're now going to transition into our second article if you want to introduce it to our listeners. Yeah, so this article, again, I, we're gonna we're beating this rent by, first buy thing to death. And I, I, I can assure our listeners this is probably the last episode for, for a while we're going to do on this. So don't, don't worry. You know what, Trevor? I think it does deserve being talked about a lot because, like we were saying, it, we need to break the stigma of, of the renting. Yeah. So this next article is uh, from the Financial Post. And it's called Renting During Retirement, 10 Cases Where It Might Be Right For You. And what I liked about this article, although it's, it's titled uh, Renting During Retirement, I think you can make a case for a lot of these for anybody, not just somebody retired. And uh, we may have touched on these before, but again, when you find it in a, in a current news article, it kind of uh, makes it, gives it a l- little more legitimacy. So this article was written by Ted Reckshaffen in the Financial Post, and I'll just go on to read the full article. So in his words, home ownership is the deeply ingrained great Canadian dream. Adding to the dream is retiring as a homeowner without debt. Although that dream is alive and well and something that most retirees hope for, there can be some very good reasons not to be a homeowner in retirement. 
While renting in retirement may not be your goal, perhaps some of these 10 scenarios might get you thinking differently. So the first, you can't afford it. Either you have never been a homeowner because of the high costs, or you are a homeowner but simply needed the liquidity and access to the capital that was tied up in your home. While there are certain ways to remain a homeowner and access some of the great capital, the greatest access to capital is to sell your home. Number two, you don't want to carry debt in retirement. You can make a good case that having debt in retirement is just fine as long as you have home equity that is much larger than that debt. Having said that, it is understandable that many retirees don't want the worry of debt. Usually, the best way to achieve this is to sell real estate and use the capital to pay off debt. Often debt is still owing on the house. Number three, you don't want the responsibility of maintaining a house. Let it be someone else's problem. It can be very nice to suddenly realize that the leaking faucet is no longer up to you to fix. It can be even nicer to know that the roof that needs replacing isn't gonna come out of your pocket, at least directly. Number four, you don't wanna pay any more realty commissions and land transfer taxes. You may be at a stage in your life where health concerns are either a reality or looming larger. One less home purchase can save you tens of thousands of dollars by eliminating the money that disappears to real estate commissions and land transfer taxes. Number five, you don't wanna be trapped in a home you can't sell quickly. You don't know how long you will be staying in your home. By renting, you have so much greater flexibility to move and with far fewer worries than if you own your home. This can be an even bigger worry outside of urban centers where it can take many months or even years to sell a home. Number six, you want to spend more money while you are healthy enough to enjoy it. With a major amount of money freed up, you may feel more comfortable spending on vacations, cars, boats, or other items that you have long dreamed about. Of course, this should be done with a long-term financial plan in place to ensure you can actually afford it. I have found that while many retirees can often do it all, do all of these things, realizing the cash in their homes often gives them the psychological comfort to start spending. Number seven, you want more diversification in your investments. While most people view their home as more than an investment, it can certainly be looked at as a large and extremely concentrated one. Let's say someone owns a home worth 700,000 and they will have a decent pension from work. They could very well have few other assets in their net worth, maybe 150,000 in other investment savings. This person's net worth is over concentrated in real estate and not just diversified in real estate, but 100% in residential real estate in one location. By selling and investing the funds, they can now be much more diversified across a wide range of industries and types of investments. Number eight, you want to be able to test out different homes and places. Some people know that they want to move to a condo. Some want a backyard garden. Some people know the neighborhood or city or small town they want to live in, and some aren't so sure. By renting, you may be able to try out a few options to see which one is the best fit. I'm not suggesting that moving is a fun or easy process, but it is a lot easier when you are just renting as opposed to being an owner. Number nine, you may be needed out of town. Many retirees are happy to finally have their freedom and some independence from family. Others may want to, or need to move to be closer to children, grandchildren, or increasingly elderly parents. Renting may allow you the freedom to spend significant time with family in other cities without still being responsible for real estate back home. And number 10, you're spending less and less time at home anyway. 
Florida, Arizona, and the south of France are all places that you'll spend more time in. Some of those places can be quite compelling in retirement. As you spend less time in Canada, does it really make sense to own a home? By renting, you may save a lot of money, especially if you're able to rent for only three or four months at a time. The monthly costs will likely be much more higher due to the flexibility, but when compared to a full year rent for a place that won't be in for months, that you won't be in for months at a time, the cost savings and flexibility can be of great value. So Trevor, those are the 10 cases where you might want to rent during retirement. So let's go through each point and I'd just like to hear your take on each of Ted's points. So number one, you can't afford it. Yeah, you know, we had a show way back called The Senior Debt and it really uh, highlighted this as an issue in Canada, the number of seniors retiring with debt. Uh, if you have a mortgage and that's stopping you from retiring, I think selling and renting is probably your ticket out. Definitely, Trevor. I'd have to agree with that. And that kind of answers point two as well. You know, you don't want to carry debt into retirement, so they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, so number three, you don't want the responsibility of maintaining a house. This one I think is pretty obvious. You know, and, and I'm sure everyone, all of our listeners have probably had an experience where they've um, had, and I don't want to use the word burden in a negative sense, but they've they've shouldered the burden of helping their aging parents maintain their homes. Uh, if it's raking leaves, cutting grass, putting up storm windows, you reach a point where you just physically can't do it, and your options are to burden your family or pay somebody to do it. So uh, renting, you know, that could be the solution. Um, the very next one, you don't want to pay any more realty commissions and land transfer taxes. I feel like this is such uh, such an important point. Well, these transaction fees can be a real killer, and they can really uh, dig into the any equity sort of profits you've built up into your investment of, of real estate. And if you're uh, moving with the frequency of every five years for jobs or just a change of scenery, this is a very expensive option. And this really reaches into the next point and one that we also talked in the previous article about how you don't want to be trapped in a home you can't sell quickly it really leaves you really stuck where you are well with like we talked about in the last article uh, you you might have a house listed for you know two or three months and then you've got another three months before the deal closes you can be miss an opportunity in another a job opportunity in another town or you, you may want to escape the cold, cold climate in Canada. There's nothing quick about selling a house. So I think, I think that makes it easier to, and to, again, this goes to our very, the very next point in this article, spend more money while you're healthy to enjoy it. Well, this would be tapping into the uh, equity you've built up in your real estate investment and traveling. Again, it, it's, it's a house. It's not an investment. It's only a house until you sell it. You, and until you liquefy that investment, into cash, you can't do much more than live in it. So by, by selling your house and maybe traveling while you're, you're young and, and travel insurance isn't costing you more than the cost of the trip, uh, it, it gives you options. So then at this next point, you want more diversification in your investments. I really like how the author said that in reality, you have all your investments in 100% in real estate in one location. That's a risky investment. Well, and you know, in uh, we talked about in our last show, real estate investment returns uh, are not that great. You know, people think they've built up a lot of wealth, but it's really the forced savings of paying back your mortgage that built the wealth. It's not the appreciation of the investment. An index fund in the TX, TSX 
would outperform most real estate investments over a long period of time. And when they talk about diversification, if you own a house in a neighborhood, you're just one expressway going in next door or one low-cost high-rise rental unit being built in your subdivision that could you know, erode your, your property values. So you're not, the diversification of being in some other, uh, having your money spread across other investment instruments is very under-emphasized in, in real estate. If you, if you had an index fund, you're pretty protected. You're, you're well-balanced in real estate. Uh, things could turn, like a major employer could leave town. All these things could affect your investment negatively. Oh, for sure. And I think this is a really understressed point. So I'm glad it was mentioned within this article. Um, the very next one, you want to be able to test a different homes and places. Well, this would be, if you move to a new town, the worst thing you can do is buy if you're not familiar with it. Because sometimes there's this there's this imaginary line d- drawn through the middle of town that you, you can't see on a map. But if you, you know, live there for three months, you would soon realize, you know, this is not the greatest neighborhood over here. But this one is, and there's no real landmark dividing them. It's just uh, it's something you learn from, from living there. And I just want to bring up to our listeners how that's an important point that you always stress. When you say, when you talk about uh, moving to a different city and renting there, that you would never go there and buy a home right away. You would, you would rent first. Yeah, without question. It's just too risky. You could talk to so many people and, and still not have the whole story about uh, desirable neighborhoods versus undesirable neighborhoods. Oh, for sure. Very. And in, in being a student in a city as well, this is at a point that has become apparently obvious to myself that there are good areas in the city to live in and not so great areas. And you only find that out by being a citizen within that city. Um, the second last point you need, you may be needed out of town. And I think, and they talk about the same regeneration here, how you may you care from everyone to your children to your grandchildren to be your elder elderly parents. So, I think the the need the growing, the growing life expectancy. I think it puts a lot more demand on an individual and where they need to be. Well, it, this maybe goes back to the home maintenance. If if yours sort of helping children, your children in one town and your aging parents in another town, you're not going to be home very often to look after your own property. So it, it kind of gives you that flexibility to come and go as you please. And that, that kind of goes into the last point. Was your, are you really spending a lot of time at home when you're retired? Maybe you want to be traveling and you want the freedom to come and go as you please. I think renting just offers a lot of flexibility. And uh, from an investment standpoint, there's a lot of other things you can do with your money. So Trevor, before we conclude this episode, do you have any final Simple Money Solution takeaways for our listeners? I just want to say that I think we've... We've really hammered home the rent versus buy thing with two two consecutive episodes. So I want to assure the listeners we're, we're probably going to put this one away for a while. Uh, although I'm still uh, engrossed in it myself personally, contemplating rent versus buy. Uh, I'll probably do the rest of my research offline and, and not burden our listeners with 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 uh, this topic for for a while anyway. Maybe if I do move into renting myself, I may do a show sort of you know, telling my personal experience about it. And maybe that may help listeners. Thanks for bringing to light two amazing articles, Trevor. They really highlight the importance of considering renting in your life as opposed to buying a home. And I know regardless of the age of our listeners, whether they are a student considering what they're going to do after post-secondary, or 
heading into retirement, these articles in these past two episodes will hopefully really benefit them when making decisions. The show notes will include both links to both these articles. And also let us know if you liked this format of this show and we'll do more of them where we take news articles directly from the source, read them to you and analyze them down and break them into simple language for you. So let us know, contact us uh, via iTunes or through any of our social media platforms and we'd love to hear from you. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and please be sure to check out the show notes at livelikesymbols.ca. Give the show rating on iTunes and also leave comments about this particular show, this topic, or any of our other episodes on any of our social media platforms or on iTunes as well. Until next week, 